judges ready. ready. Okay, start again from the beginning. Okay, well, first I had a student who nearly passed out on me before we had even got a chance to grab the schedules, and then I had to drop him from his category so he like wouldn't like faint in the middle of his round or whatever. And then another one ripped the slit on her skirt all the way up the back, while simultaneously her partner had managed to cut herself on something, I don't exactly know what, and then my little freshman forgot her entire backpack in her dad's car back at home, so she had no money for food or her nylons, but decided not to tell me about any of this until about five minutes before round one was supposed to start. And then the coffee wasn't ready in the judge's lounge. So your tournament day didn't go as planned. I mean, no, that's a pretty normal competition morning for me, actually. Well, I have to say... Oh, Kurt, please don't. Sounds like you had a forensics nightmare by Deborah Karzewski. I'm just going to ignore that horrible piece reference. It wasn't that bad. And instead, tell our listeners that today's episode is about how to deal with all the things that can go wrong on competition day. But most importantly, how to be prepared for them. I'm funny. (sighs) This This is is Forensics Faces. Hey, Kurt. The forensic season has begun. It's official now for the two of us together. Mine started earlier together. than yours. Yeah, you've been going on for three weeks already. <laughs> Woohoo! Sheboygan North was not ready for that. And that's okay. There are still plenty of schools that haven't started quite yet. And that is fine. If you are one of those schools, don't feel pressure. Some of us are overachievers. Mm-hmm. And the season really did... Like, it seemed like it started really early this year. I know It definitely started wise, a week earlier. Yeah. I mean, just it's just the way the dates fall. Like, technically, I don't think there were any more. Ter- like, last year, there was a whole extra weekend. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, a whole actual extra tournament week. This year, I can't blame that. <laughs> it just really felt like the tournament, came, the t- tournament season snuck up on me. Yeah, well, and because we did tournaments, like, without you guys, and I competed a few weeks without my ideas kids yet... Like, it didn't really, like, necessarily feel like the forensic season had started until, like, all three teams were on the bus and we were all jam-packed in there, full seats from front to back, and then all of my coach friends in one place. So. And regardless, as a former competitor, like, our season always started with Appleton East, so in my heart, Appleton East is the season starter. Yeah, ours has always been Berlin. We did plan to go to the other tournaments that happened. We planned to go to Denmark. We planned to go to Oshkosh North. We didn't get there. But for me, in my heart, even if we had gone, it still would have been Appleton East is the start to our season. Everything else is preseason. Sports have that, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Sports reference. Sports reference. Hashtag go sports. (laughs) No, it definitely... I told my kids, for the because we went to Port Washington, and then... What was after that? I've already forgotten. Oshkosh. Oshkosh North. Well, both are tournaments that we had never gone to before. Both were first-time tournament hosts. Port Washington, uh, first time ever for Oshkosh North. First time in, like, a decade and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I told both, I told my all my kids on my on my South team, I was like, these are your practice runs. You are, I'm giving you an opportunity to to suss things out, try different categories, see what you like, try different things, and have judges tell you that they are horrible, stupid ideas. Or great ideas. Most of them we were told they were stupid, so it's fine. 
And then we'll go to Appleton East, and then we'll be a real team by then. Not that we're not already a real team, but... <laughs> and we, you were such a real team. We were Look so you real. Guys. First place large teams. Ooh. Thank you, Mike and Deb, for taking yourselves out of the running. Hey, we don't know us. how that would have broken down. I mean... I was in the tab room, and while I wasn't entering scores, I was sorting the critique sheets... I saw some really, really nice scores for your kids. I really it, did. It's true. We, we we had a really good day, and we had uh, some some great scores, even if kids didn't break into power rounds because the Appleton East tournament being triple entry mm-hmm. and a large tournament, it's not the easiest to break into the final rounds in certain categories, but there were plenty of kids who were super close, and that was exciting, and kids who got lots of really great feedback, which I'm so appreciative of, especially after Deb gave her... Her little bit of rabble-rousing during the judges' meeting. She was serious. Can I tell you about... Please do. If I didn't know and love Deb Truss... Like, these are the moments that when I say I used to be scared of Deb Truss, this is one of the moments that would have scared me because I know, as someone who knows her well now, that that is just passion coming out of her. Yep. Um... But if I didn't know her, I think I honestly would have been intimidated by how <laughs> seriously she was approaching the topic of quality critique sheets and quality judging. And and she's always really stressing that this is early in the season and you must, must, must be supportive and give critiques that are to build the students up and encourage them to learn more and do better. Um you know, that's always the message. But this year, especially, she had examples of things she did not want to see. <laughs> and she was not messing around. Amen. Z-snapping, even though it's a podcast and you can't you see can't my see sassy that. Z-snapping. Just imagine left yes. hand on hip, right hand Z-snap. Yep, yep. So, like, that judges meeting was for real. <laughs> like, people walked out of there knowing I have to do a good job. Which is and it, and good. I, I think they did. I got, I had a couple critiques from, let's be honest, some of the usual suspects yep. that I, you know, kind of said, well, you know, maybe not take so much stock in that. Yep. But other than that, I did. We got some really, really nice critiques. Yeah. I was one, one critique in particular pointed out something and worded something in a way that I had not yet been able to word to one of my students and I was like that was a thing that we were talking about on Thursday that was the thing and so I was really well not Thursday but Wednesday probably but that was the thing that we've been talking about so I was really glad to have had someone do that because sometimes because a judge hasn't seen a piece 6,000 times already they're able to point out the things that you aren't able to word so getting great critique sheets was excellent good I've been pouring over them that is I mean that's the (laughs) best that's the best result regardless of how well yeah or poorly your students do, the best result is getting being able to walk away from the tournament knowing that you got some really positive uh, feedback. Yeah, so. and that's why we are always stressing that for most of those kids, those critique sheets are the only thing they're walking away with from a yep. tournament. And so being able to get on a bus and have them go, oh yeah, that's a really good point, or oh, they said something really nice about me. Those are the things that make, make my heart warm, among yeah. other things, because I'm a big old softie, yeah. as Kurt can attest to. And it was really, really nice, and I, I tweeted this, and I Facebooked this. I got a lot of really nice hugs on Saturday. Which, I love that and John pointed out. You're like, since when do you give hugs? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, John Peschel. <laughs> I give hugs. Okay, John you is one literally, of the people I give hugs to. But you literally have, like, you have to earn a curt hug. Like, it is a point of, like, 
a reward to be like, oh my gosh, I got a curt hug. Like you have to get to that place with you and you have like, you have to deem someone worthy of them. And so like, like, I mean, (laughs) I'm not all that. I give up here. I mean, I definitely have standards when it comes to hugs with students and it's because I'm Catholic. (laughs) It's because I was an adult volunteer in the Catholic church and there's very strict rules. And a lot of those carry into my experience with teenagers today. If I'm hugging a teenager, it is, it is in a public space. It is, it is, it is of congratulations so that, yeah, everybody understands. But you gotta get a trophy first. Well, I mean, if I'm doing it for congratulations, you have to have done something well. And it's getting a trophy. Medals so, don't count. So I am selective in my hug handing out for students. But adults, like if you establish you're a hugging person, I'm, I'm usually, I'll hug. I'm not opposed to it. If you're going in for the hug, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm down. <laughs> and here's what. I am a very good hugger. It's true. I am a very good hugger. And I just had, I forget what I was watching this weekend. It was probably, I think, the Chelsea Does docuseries on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And because that's the only thing I can think of where this would have come up. But it was, it was talking about how, like, as kids, you hug all the time. Like, that physical touch is really important to you in your relationship building. And in adults, we often don't do that because it's weird. And see, and I just thought I, to myself, oh my gosh, this is so lucky that I just had this great experience today where I got to see so many people who I really adore. And I got a lot of great hugs. Yeah, and I so give I was all the I hugs. was noting that achievement in my adult life that like I went to a place and I got lots of hugs from people that I like. Well, you're a popular gentleman, as 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 I as I shared with Kurt, uh, plenty of people came up to me and were like, "Oh, when's Kurt coming out?" At the first two tournaments, I was like, "Oh, why isn't <laughs> Kurt here? Oh, where's Kurt?" And I'm just like. Good morning to you, too. (laughs) Nice to see you. How have you been? Yeah, and I shared with you how that happened to me when I was (laughs) just starting out, and uh, Jay Johnson was the thing. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know where Jay was. So we all go through it at some point or another, and apparently then we pay it forward to the people around (laughs) us. Thanks. Sorry. No, I'm a big hugger. I, I hug all my students, and... And I I hug all of my my coach friends mm-hmm. and I'm 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 into it. I've never I grew up in a household of huggers, so we're not we're not shy about it. Yeah. I feel more awkward sometimes giving high fives than I do hugs. I'm like a relatively awkward high fiver. Interesting. Yeah. Is it a physical coordination problem? Oh, definitely. If you've ever had to watch <laughs> me and my co coach Ben Kroll high five, we high five successfully one out of four times. Like. Um, when when we when we got our first place large team this weekend, we had a really good high five. But otherwise, most of the time, we have to do it at least two or three times until we get like a good actual connection. We just we just look like awkward like penguins running at each other and then failing miserably because <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> so that's how we're going to end our discussion of apples and east. <laughs> because otherwise, we can go on for for forever. A long but time. uh. So yeah. thank you, Mike and Deb, for running another wonderful tournament. That we ended always, so quickly and that, on time and, and yeah, wonderfully. Yeah, that was so super efficient. It was still daylight when we got home. Amazing. That never happens. So thank you, guys. And as always, thank you for inviting us into your home because we love visiting. Yes, and we hope to see you in our respective oh, homes soon. And speaking of going to Appleton East, you guys, if you have never gone to see an Appleton East theatrical production. Go. 
go. They are always amazing. They are doing as a fundraiser for forensics as well as debate and theater. I think it's everything wrapped up in one, all the worlds that Deb and Mike live in. They're doing a fundraiser, which is a show. They're presenting the Marvelous Wonderettes. It is, I should have looked up dates, but it's not this weekend, but the following weekend. It's the Valentine's Day weekend. So (laughs) it's one weekend's worth of shows. It features four young ladies who are all involved in forensics as well. Go support them because one, it's going to be an amazing show. It always is. They just do really, really fine work there. And two, it's a fundraiser for forensics. And and if we don't get out and help each other uh, do those sorts of things, you know, what are we what are we here for? Yeah. So the 18th, 19th and 20th of February. Thank you. Go see it. Uh, Kurt and I are definitely going to try to go because one of the things we love is going up and seeing the shows they put on because... You can see the passion that Deb and Mike are putting into it and the energy that the students are giving back, and it's amazing. Please do it. But also support all local theater because it's important. Yes. They're very, very good. Um, so that Okay, so that's the last word on Appleton East. Yes. Go support them. Go see the Marvelous Wonderettes uh, February 18th through the 20th. Yes. Do Great. it. What's next? What do we do? Where do we go from here? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. No, I do know. So, this week's episode is inspired by my Saturday at Appleton East. As wonderful as it was, it was one of those days where it felt like a lot of things that could go wrong did. Because the, the introduction was all true stuff. That, I mean, it that, did, was, that was not made up. No, and, and they didn't necessarily all happen exactly like that, but pretty much all did to me at once. I had a very sick student... Saturday morning, who was fine when he got on the bus, but when we got off of the bus, he was white like a ghost, pretty much about to pass out, crazy fever, so I then had to, after already having checked in with Mike, go drop him, and then I had students ripping things, and I had to do all sorts of hair for the girls, and didn't have all the supplies I needed, and then just having students for getting money, and it was just one of those days where I was really, very overwhelmed by all the things that had gone wrong, but... As we'll talk about later, I set myself out to be prepared for these things, and so I was able to dole out the necessary accoutrement, if you will, (laughs) to solve all of the problems, but also this is my ninth season. Holy cow. That's horrifying to have just said out loud. Uh, This is my ninth season doing some form of coaching, and I, through lots of trial and error, have learned how to handle Nearly every situation. (laughs) But uh, in order to make you all feel comfortable, Kurt and I have decided that we're going to share with you our personal forensics nightmares that we have lived through. Uh, We're going to share one as a coach slash judge and then one that we went through as a student uh, to be relatable and cool and also because we have had experiences as both. Because, um, yeah, we don't lead nearly as... Perfect lives as our podcast makes it sound. We do polish it up quite a bit for we do for the internet. <laughs> All right, so ladies first. Okay, uh, I'll start with telling the one of me as a student. Uh, I'm going to admit to you, Kurt, and to our listening audience, I did not put down the actual worst thing that's ever happened to me as a student because it's kind of gross. <laughs> And it's a little off color. Okay. So if you want to actually hear that story, I'll tell it to Kurt after we're done recording, even though it's going to gross him out. 
And then I can tell it to you in person, but I'll try to word it in a way that makes you not want to stop being. How come the listening audience gets a choice, but I am just going to be told? Okay, you. I won't tell you then. I won't tell you if you don't want to know. It's fine. Let's wait for a moment when I'm ready. Okay, we'll wait until you'll just turn to me and you'll just make eye contact and say, "I'm ready," and then I'll tell you my horrible story. It's time. Um, But as a student. Uh, my sophomore year, I was an oratorical declamation student, and I had gone to gotten to go to NCFL qualifiers, and I was really excited about it. And my mom had bought me a new, like, cool khaki pantsuit, and I looked great in it, and I was all excited. But then when we left for the tournament, I forgot my competition shoes at home, and my coach offered me a pair of of black shoes to wear, but they were one size too small. And I was also really mad about something really trivial with uh, at her. And so I was just trying to be like cool and defiant or whatever. And so I ended up competing in uh, black flip flops, despite the fact that it was like March and there was snow everywhere. But I just competed in black flip flops and a full on pantsuit and like crazy competition hair. It was the first time I ever curled my eyelashes in my life <laughs> and still do to this day. Uh, but yeah, and then I ended up... Uh, not qualifying for nationals and my coach tried to make me believe that it was because of my horrible shoe wear choice but I told her it was just because I did not in any way shape or form make a believable Mother Teresa uh but we didn't have the (laughs) we had the best relationship in the first place but I just didn't like the piece that I was doing as the Mother Teresa speech and there were lots of other things but I like this was ODEC this was ODEC okay yeah I was a declamation when were you being Mother Teresa in solo humorous (laughs) (laughs) um but I just remember like getting up for that first round and just being so embarrassed because everyone else around me was wearing like their like great cool dress shoes and they looked so polished and like from head to like from head to ankle I looked great and then you got to the fact that I was wearing like the cheapest grodiest flip flops. So when you did your transitional walks, I it was literally <laughs> like flip 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 flip. As I walked, because it was horrible. And then I thought maybe, like, that was, like, to the first point. And then I was like, maybe if I shuffle my feet to the second one. So I was just like. <laughs> and it, did, it didn't help at all. And I just remember sitting down, and I was so bright right in the face. And I'd forgotten, like, part of my speech because I was so focused on my stupid shoes. And it was just one of those situations where, like, someone offered me help, but I was a stupid high schooler and didn't take it. And someone tried to solve the situation for me, but I was being defiant and anti-authority and so cool but i completely regret it now i don't think that my shoes are the only reason i didn't qualify for nationals mm-hmm. but if you ask that coach should probably be like yeah it's because she wore flip-flops that's not true it's because i sucked fair enough yeah but tell me about your most horrifying forensic uh, nightmare as a student it's also cfl related this happened at nationals when it was in arlington which is you know washington dc but we called it something else mm-hmm. um in Arlington, Virginia, it was my senior year. It's the only year I ever qualified for nationals, and not really, because this was back in the Lynn Luce days when she would go through the people who actually qualified, and if they double qualified, she listed your name twice. So there's like now we're nice about it. We just yeah. say you qualified, and we like sort out who double qualified and who prepped in what categories in the war room yeah in the war room and then you go out and you find out if you qualified that was not (laughs) Luce's style she liked to make sure you knew if you went twice and those of us who were alternates knew where we stood so I was an alternate my senior year but I got to go because uh in DI Venus Cooper who had won oratory the year before also qualified in oratory so 
thank you, Venus. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go, and I quarterfinaled. Here's the thing. After octofinals, I thought, there is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that I am going on to quarterfinals. So I went back to my room and I changed into my, like, out of my competition clothes because it was like, this is not happening. And you all know there's some pretty big breaks at nationals between those final rounds. Yeah. So I would be fine if for some strange reason I moved on into quarterfinals, I would be able to go change. Turns out I broke into quarterfinals. I never saw the poster, but I ran into my coach who told me that I needed to get to the room by, let's say it was one o'clock. So I go up to the room, I change, I practice, I warm up, I get in the elevator, I go back down to the room. I'm like 10 minutes early. And I walk in and the judges are frantically like, are you this code? We've been waiting for you for 20 minutes. The round actually started at 1230. Oh my god! Or whatever. This, this time is not correct. Yeah. But I had been told to go to the room a half an hour after the round actually started. I am not making an excuse. I should have known my own round time. But I am saying I never actually saw the poster. And this was before things like Twitter and Facebook and smartphones. So yeah. it's not like I could just Look it up pull yourself. up the schedule. Mm-hmm. My coach said the time I believed him. But... And, and I was scheduled to perform first, which they did not let me get off the hook for. Aww. So I walk in, they yell at me, I have to write down my name three times on their judging sheets, because that's how they had us do it, and then I had to get up and perform. And then all of that I could live through, it was the sitting there afterwards, knowing that like even if I had had a chance, it's blown now. Yeah, your first like, impression totally there is it. There is no way. And I will say, if memory serves, the quarterfinal didn't even seem as hard as the octofinal. Oh. But yeah, I was not close to moving out of that round. <laughs> and I, I maybe it was a lot harder than I thought. But yeah, that was it was mortifying to sit there for the next five pieces and just be like, what happened? I would have just cried. What's going I on? <laughs> I have no idea what's about to... What? Uh. So, yeah, that happened, and it was mortifying. But guess what? Mortifying. The important part is that both of us lived through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, I mean, it was not the end of the world. Exactly, which is something that you sometimes have to remind yourself and your students of when they have horrifyingly embarrassing moments. Uh, because sometimes it doesn't feel like you're going to live through it. Sometimes it feels like you're going to die on that very spot of sheer embarrassment, but you're not, it's going to be fine guys. I was good. I I was not, I was, I I had still had to compete in more rounds and, and just kept doing them in flip flops (laughs) (laughs) like a jerk. But I will say though, that I was definitely more embarrassed with my horrifying judge moment than I was with when I was just wearing flip-flops slash my not going to tell on the podcast story. Uh, My very first tournament, judging in my very first round, I was actually kind of sick that day. And uh, while a student was performing, I sneezed and proceeded to cover their uh, critique sheet in actual snot. And I don't mean like a little (laughs) bit of spit. I mean like actual chunks of snot 
<laughs> I'm sorry about it. Gonna be real with this one. And so I, I'm sitting at a teacher's desk and surrounded by pictures of a stranger's toddler and trying to like watch the student and slyly like try to look around to find a tissue. And then so I grab the tissue and then like wipe off the critique sheet and then uh, just begin writing on a new one and then throw that one away. And luckily all the students were in front of me, so none of them really thought anything of it. I don't think the student really noticed because it was a binder category. I no longer remember which one. I just know that there was a binder, so they weren't looking at me when it happened. But I just remember, like, I don't even, I couldn't tell you what any of those pieces were after the round. I, my, my ballots were probably horrible <laughs> because I was so focused on the fact that I had just, like, shot snot onto a, this critique sheet and like it made like oh my it was just bad i won't go into too many details because it's already don't. so grossed out yeah, no. so grossed out but that it is was my, that's my thing like snot isn't the thing oh snot is the thing yeah. okay i, I should have like known it. that before i decided to share this story i don't like it <laughs> but uh yeah it was horrifying and even i didn't give the ballot i obviously didn't turn the critique sheet in i like rewrote the whole thing out after the round was done before i turned it in but I was just so self-conscious that someone had, like, noticed and just didn't say anything or didn't react at all. And then maybe that student, like, actually did see it but didn't want me to think they did. So they were going to think that the sheet they got at the end of the day was just covered in mucus. And I was just – I just felt so bad. And I was just so, like, gigged out about it the whole rest of the day. And I still think actually, about it. Actually, Melissa, I have a surprise for you. That student exists. And she's here right now. No! Just kidding. Isn't it past your bedtime? <laughs> but <laughs> that kid would be like in their mid twenties. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like you just like had gone back in time and made them travel here. Why are you thinking that's what I'm doing? I've been watching a sci-fi show. I've been, <laughs> I've been watching too much sci-fi. Uh, but it was horrible and it was disgusting. And I still think about it any time that I have any semblance of a of a cold at a tournament. I carry Kleenex with me everywhere. All right, so if you were a forensics competitor and you're listening to this podcast and you remember this one time that a strangely young-looking judge sneezed all over a critique sheet, please write in. <laughs> We'd like to hear from you. <laughs> I would like, I'd like to, so I can send you an apology, make you some like cookies. No, send you obviously, a book. no, nobody noticed, and you probably totally got away with it. But I was still. Except just, now you're sharing it with the yeah, world. Yeah, now I'm sharing it with all of you. Uh, by the way, one caveat of this podcast is that you all share it, your horrifying stories with us to make us feel better. Absolutely. If we, not publicly, you at least have to come up and tell us about. Yeah, them. or even just like send us in emails because. They will be a bright spot in our day, I'm sure. Yes. And we're not, we won't be judging you. We'll be, we'll be commiserating with you because chances are we've probably done something similar. Right. Although we will be judging you against the other stories we hear because that's yeah. how we are. We're in forensics. We're going to try to rank you. Yep. It's, so that's how it goes. Make sorry. It good. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, for me, I have two things that I'm going to mention because one is as a coach. And one was a judge experience. Um, as a coach, I always, and I don't know why this happens so often to me. I think it's because I just have that type of team where sometimes kids just show up on the bus in the morning. And it's like, you weren't signed up for this tournament. And I hate, hate, hate having to add somebody the day of. Um, one, because some tournament hosts really make you feel like you are ruining their day. Yeah. Two... 
it uh, it just makes me feel like I have totally failed. Like, <laughs> I, as a coach, I have failed. I didn't even know who was supposed to be stepping under my bus this morning. Apparently, this kid wanted to go, and I had no idea. So, one, that is a coach fail that I feel like happens all the time. But I do have a judging story where I just... I don't know what was wrong with me. It was in the early days of Speechwire. I wasn't used to having to pick up your ballot at the tab table when you turned mm-hmm. in your sheets, your critique sheets for the, or the, your ballot for the previous round. Ballot and critique sheets, you turn them both in. I don't know why I made that distinction. <laughs> um, and so I forget what school it was, but it was a big one. And my next round was like, all the way on the other end of the school and I went to that room and it was one of those tournaments where they made it so clear time and time again do not let the kids in the room if you are not there like students do not go in the room they're announcing it all day and so I get to the room and the students are outside and we go inside the room and I sit down and I'm about to call the first number to make sure they're there and I realize I don't know what that number is because I never picked up my ballot for oh, that Kurt. round. So I'm like, I'm going to have to go all the way back to the tab room to pick up my ballot. Whatever. I'll just go. Wait, I'm not supposed to leave these kids in the room if I'm not here. So I have to ask all the competitors to please exit the room oh my goodness. so that I can go get my ballot and then come back and judge them. Yeah, see. I'll but that's s- as bad as it's gotten. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had anything more mortifying. Sometimes as a judge, I'm really mortified when I think I've spelled something wrong. Oh my gosh. I will literally, I will spell like the part of the word that I know and then I'll leave a blank space and then after the round I'll go into my dictionary app Look and it up triple check yep. that I that I've spelled it correctly. I have done that. Because I can't spell the word inconvenient on the first try. I can spell the word environment on the first try. <laughs> so I have to always look those things up because I my critique sheet cannot autocorrect it for me. Right. Which is a shame. Can't wait for technology to pick that up for me. Yeah. So that's it as far as a judge. So, and, and but again, we survived. We're still here, still doing the forensics thing, both the coaching and the judging thing. Thank mm-hmm. God, not the, not the competitor thing. Only once a year. Yep. <laughs> forensics after dark. We'll tell you about it coming up. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a big secret still. Um, it's but, not. <laughs> it's not. It's not a secret at all, and it's not coming up soon. But one of the things that makes me feel better as a coach is being is feeling like I'm prepared for all situations, and part of that is having my mom bag or my team bag. So if you see me around, I have this year it is a large gray and black bag. It's like a huge tote bag, and it is filled with all sorts of goodies. What so kind of stuff do you have in there, Melissa? Thanks for asking. Right, this year, I have two different sewing kits, like mobile sewing kits. I have a lint roller, a Tide to Go pen, a box that's filled with various um, medicines slash pills, which I will tell you, schools you're, schools will tell you you're not allowed to administer medicine to your children. So I just keep it in the bag, and if the students need it, They know that it's there and they can get it for themselves. And then there's a sheet of paper that says what everything is if it's not labeled. And right now there's aspirin and ibuprofen. There's Dayquil, Gas-X, Midol, and antihistamines. Wow, you're Uh, really getting dangerous with that Gas-X. I know. (sighs) But all those are things that like I've wished I'd had when students were ill. So I keep them on on, on hand. And then I also have a first aid kit with Band-Aids 
And uh, there was a year where I always had an ace bandage because I had a girl who was always spraining her ankle and then, but still going because she was, she was ridiculous and a trooper and crazy. I'll also sometimes have my iPhone charger in there, but not always because I sometimes forget it. I keep snacks in there, most of the time crackers, because they can be something that a student can eat if they have an upset stomach and they're not going to eat pizza or cousin sub. Uh, I keep a $5 bill in there in case a student forgets their lunch because I normally don't carry cash on me as a person. And then I have a tiny scissors most of the time to cut the threads on the back slit of suit coats. Hey guys, yeah. if the back slit of your suit coat is still sewn together, it's not there on purpose. It's a different color thread for a reason. It's only sewn there so it lays flat in shipping. Cut the thread or I will come up behind you and rip it myself even if I don't know you. <laughs> I'll just do it. Uh, and then also tons and tons of pens because these are all things that I need and want to be able to have. That bag for the most part sits down at the table where the students are and all my students know all the stuff that's in there because... You're going to spill on your shirt. You're going to rip something. You're not going to feel well all the time. You're going to have cat hair on your suit. I can solve all those problems. And, and, and knowing that it's there and the students don't have to constantly be texting me or hovering outside of the judge's lounge or hunting me down makes me feel better. Now, I will say I used to have a very similar bag situation Yep. that had all of that stuff and more so up to and including an EpiPen. Yep. Because that was something I used to worry about. And then at some point, I just was like, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> or I know you've got it. <laughs> or I know, like, the tournament has it. Yeah. So I really don't carry any of that stuff anymore. I used to. I used to. I was lax about it last year. And then I had three tournaments in a row where there were things that I really, really wish that I'd had. And have students with various medical issues and that sort of thing so I wanted to be more prepared to be there for them so I just carry it all now I used to schlep it around with me to every round so if a student saw me in the hallway I could just hand it off to them and then move about my day but but that's too, ridiculous too freaking heavy yeah yeah I feel good about my decision but I'm also glad that you have it because yeah. just in case I'm, yeah I know it's there um I will also say as a tournament host I have just about all of that stuff ready to go. Yeah. So if somebody at the Sheboygan North tournament was like, oh, I really need a sewing kit, I do have that. I really need a first aid kit, got it. Lint roller, got it. All that stuff I do bring on tournament day because I do feel as the host, it is part of my responsibility to make sure that I have those extra little things available. So. Yeah, and never be afraid to go to wherever tab is and ask to be directed for those sorts of things. I've yeah. had to go to tab to ask where the nurse's room is, to have them unlock it, to have a student go lay down in there. Uh, and they're obviously always going to be willing to help you. So sure. we empower you to do that. Absolutely. Uh, but as student, there's all sorts of other things you can mm -hmm. carry. I was horrible being prepared as a student. I literally got on the bus with a spare pair of shoes and uh, like some money to eat and that was it. Like I didn't even bring my backpack. But uh, it, students, you can also you know, carry I never all did those either. things. I was horrible at it. I never did. I mean, but I don't think the culture was back then to bring your, well, all right. Can I say something that's going to make me sound like a D-I-C-K? <laughs> I don't know why I thought spelling it would make it I more, don't, I'm, more I'm appropriate it, to say on the internet. Putnam never leaves. I never brought like homework or something to do because I was always fairly certain I wouldn't have time to do it 
Because you'd be too busy breaking. Because I'd be too busy breaking. <laughs> yeah, see, I was not the... I didn't bring my homework because I, I knew I wasn't really going to break. Not until my juniors and senior years. Um, but I just... I was too busy socializing and, like, meeting people. And, well, like, that too. I mean, that's, a, hu- that's a huge component of it as and, well. And, like, the idea of having to do my geometry homework while also trying to figure out the names of different boys from St. Lawrence Seminary was just, like, too much work. I was lucky, like, there were upperclassmen girls when I was a freshman and sophomore who were, like, all about, like, learning the names of boys from St. Lawrence. Like, they would... Like, they it would, was a special game. They would collect them. Like, they would see oh who God. learned like the most cards. names. That's yes. awesome. And they would, like, keep track... We Like, they had a notebook, and they would keep track of them, and so it would be like, who's learned more names? And I, I was too shy and too uncomfortable in my pudgy body to do anything but stand around off to the sides uh, and occasionally be the one who walks up and be like, so, have you met my friend Sarah? And then they're like... No, who are you? And then Sarah would just like pop out from behind me, and she'd be like, "I'm Sarah," and then it'd be, and then I would just stand there awkwardly, while she laid on her moves because she was flirtatious and wonderful and funny, and is now a chemist and is hey. great. So good for her. But good for her. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say the thing that made me a dick was not that I was breaking, but that I expected to, and like <laughs> actively left things at home because I was like, oh, I won't need that. I won't have Just to time. be clear, just to be clear, that is what made me <laughs> an Fair, awful person. Okay. We'll take it. But yeah. you're better now. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to give you credit. I'm s- no, I'm still, I'm still a terrible person. Um, um, but I totally recommend students do things like bringing your own tie to go pen. Safety pins can solve nearly every wardrobe issue you can imagine. If you have a stain on your shirt and you don't have a tied to go pen, but you have a safety pen, just fold that stain in and then pin it and no one will notice. No one will notice. I no one will you, notice a random fold in your shirt? Uh, I can do it expertly. I Is that like with a, like if you also have a suit to cover if it? You do like, it? If you do it, depending on the size of it, and you do it small enough, no one's really going to notice. I promise. Okay. Uh, but now I'm looking for it. <laughs> now now everybody's notice. looking for it. Now we're all going to look for the stains. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls, bring extra nylons. If you're wearing nylons, bring an extra pair. Everyone knows you're going to rip them. Everyone knows you're going to rip them. Uh, also, uh, if you are someone who wears a tie as part of your competition outfit... It's never a bad idea to bring an extra tie. Watched a guy rip his... I didn't watch him, but saw him. Saw the aftermath of a guy getting his tie stuck on a bathroom stall door and ripping the crap out of his tie before first round even started. And then he didn't know what to do, so he just tried to, like, ram-sham tape it up, and it was horrible. Just when you're doing your Friday night preparations, just think, oh, hey, it'd be smart for me to throw these things into my school backpack that I'm going to bring anyway. You know, if I don't do any of my homework because I'll be too busy meeting new people or in my final rounds or watching final rounds and learning how to be a better competitor amen so i being prepared is most of the battle i I promise and i do as a judge like my preparedness bag now is stuffed with judging stuff so i bring a bag that's got the extra pens it's got paper for writing on it's got uh, i even carry a marker in there like just in case they need it for posters (laughs) and it has been used um, and then a ton of extra timers. Yeah. I usually have like four or five extra stopwatches with me. Just in case. That's, that's what I'm prepared for now. Less so the student stuff. You don't care about them. I just, again, <laughs> I used to do it and it wasn't used often enough to be worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. And the, just my paradigm shifted on, yeah. on my thinking of it, which is that, you know, I, I think if, if I'm going to a school, they're going to be prepared to help me with this stuff should it happen. Yeah. 
most of the time. And then one other tip that I have that I learned that the coaches from Fond du Lac use, and I saw them implement at a recent tournament, they have all their students write emergency contact down onto a 3 by 5 note card, and they have it hole punched and in a binder, so that way it's really easy for them to access, oh, I need to contact this student's parent about something like this to find them in this binder. I know a lot of coaches will put the names into their phones or keep them in a list somewhere else, but knowing that they have that binder, I was like, that's so smart. Hmm. Why don't I have that? Because all the emergency contact information I have is somewhere else. I wouldn't even be able to find it (laughs) if you would ask me where it is. But just knowing that you have that system very easy to access. And if you have to point someone else to it, like, I need to handle the situation, look up their parents in the binder and call them. It's really easy to be able to do that. And I fully approve of that. And also knowing all of your students' uh, medical necessities, whether it's food allergies or asthma or medication has to be taken at a certain time. It's super important. Yeah. <laughs> Some people don't bother with it. They put it into the hands of the student, but high schoolers aren't always responsible, and sometimes you just need to take it into your own hands. I usually will leave it in the hands of the student, but I do like to know. Yeah, I just want to know. And, of course, that's always up to the family and up to the situation, and, and I, you know. Yeah, I just I w- like to... I would he- never press for that information. No. But, yeah, if it's, it's better for me to know that I'm taking your kid away from you for 10 to 12 hours... If something starts to go weird, what do I need to know? Yeah. The you know? question on, my, on our like intake form is, are there any medical issues you would like us to know about? Right. And so I have a student who has, who has some food allergies, and so she has an EpiPen that's sometimes expired, but it's still there. And, so, <laughs> and, and, and her dad walked me through how to use it, uh, knowing which students have inhalers, that sort of thing. Awesome. And again, always use the resources that are available for you at the tournament. Yes, they're there. Go to tab. Um, Even if that tournament host isn't prepared for it, usually that tab room is stuffed full of people who have dealt with it before. Mm -hmm. They are, they're experts. Yep. You know, usually. Yeah. Usually. You know, I don't want to say that you need to be an expert in order to be in a tab room. You certainly don't, especially not now with Speechwire. Nope. Did I tell you that on Saturday, like Ron Steinhorst and Mariah Irvin did the entire tournament? On really? Yeah. There was no need to have anybody else entering ranks. Nice. They were they were keeping up. And we got out of there early, so it's not like they there was ever a bottleneck where we ran out of like there were just so many we had to help. Nope. They were entering it at the high school. Um Ben and uh Deb were entering it at the middle school, the categories that were over there. I did not enter a rank the whole time. I just Hung out. I was a little gopher. <laughs> I, I stuffed I stuffed, uh, I stuffed critique sheets into the team folders, and then we organized them, because I was like, why not? Something to do. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice all of yours were I did. sorted and then stapled? I did. I yeah. s- I, schools that do that are wonderful and patient. I do not do that at my tournament. We had time. We had time. I mean, if we do there have time at my tournament, time. I'll do that for you, but like, probably not. Let's, let's all be honest with ourselves. Now that Speechwire exists, there's time. You can make time. Um, I'll help you. Okay. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> begrudgingly. No, not begrudgingly at all. I'll do it. <laughs> what else am I doing? Not entering things in speechware. So, anyways, the point of that was take advantage of your tab staff. They might not be doing anything else anyways. <laughs> um, but, yes, with, with Kurt being in tab last week, we don't really have the ability for us to do best thing we saw last week because you didn't see anything yeah, in I didn't round. see any pieces, sadly. I saw 
plenty, but you didn't see any. I did not see any. Do you have one that stands out though? That I you mean, would not share? really. One thing that stood out for me though was that like okay, so sometimes at a triple entry tournament, you you'll like go into a round and you, it'll be all double or triple enters, and none of them give a crap about their category. They're just in it for points, uh-huh. and then you you just like sit there and you're like Ugh, the whole time. Every even a judge who loves forensics and is passionate about the activity, you can have rounds where you're like, wow. I wish you all cared more to make me care more. Mm-hmm. Um, but every round that I had, I only had the three prelim rounds. I didn't have a final. But all three of those prelims, the competition was super good. And it was the competition was stiff. And the kids all obviously cared, even if they were running in and out from other categories. I was like, I mean, I'm not going to like say I was, I was shocked. But I was like, this is, this is pleasantly surprising. Because it doesn't always happen that way. So I don't <laughs> know if it's just like early in the season vigor is still around or what it was but i was just like on almost every bout i was like this was a great round you all genuinely did great like when i say tough round i'm actually mean it for once because for a few of them it was which i really enjoyed because it doesn't always happen awesome did you have a favorite thing that happened to you other than your grand multitude of hugs i mean yeah no <laughs> it was i think the hugs are it the hugs like are i kind of spoiled it by saying <laughs> it earlier but like it, it was just it was so nice to be able to see those folks again and there's there's a long list of people who i haven't seen yet this season that yeah. i'm still very much looking forward to seeing but uh it was just it was nice to be back in the environment and um you know i i loved our bus driver Yep. His performance was, was spot on. <laughs> I, I give him first among bus drivers I've had this year. Also, shout out to our, our judging staff for uh, North and South for sitting on the other end of the bus driver's table because I got to hear a little bit of bus driver <laughs> talk, and it was great. They were talking, they were complaining about the quality of buses that they've driven, and there was some colorful language, and it was just exactly what uh, I needed to hear at that moment. And I love bus drivers club. I love bus drivers club so much. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we won't keep on flittering on for you. We're going to get back into the habit. Now that we're back in the season, our episodes will be more regular now. So thank you for the yep. we're long like, discrepancy. We're, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're nonsense, too, back in the habit. Or was that, sis- or was that sister That's act, sister too? Act. <laughs> yep, I found a way to make that gay- <laughs> gayer. Took a feature film and turned it into a musical. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody could, oh my goodness, I went there. Well, if you have any opinions about Sister Act Two or nonsense or anything else that we might have talked about in this episode, please reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, or email us. Listen at forensicsfaces.com. We love getting emails. I've done some emailing back and forth with uh, Coach from River Falls, St. Croix, slash in there potentially. Uh, and so we really, I like, we like talking to listeners. We, we really like do. emails. And we also are looking for suggestions of episodes that you want us to tackle because, I mean, we have ideas, but we want to know what you all want to hear from us. Other than that, oh my gosh, we love listening to your podcast because we, we like hearing We do too. love hearing that too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely send us your ideas and thoughts and program ideas. We'd love to, to know what you want to hear. But with that, I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order.
Forensic Spaces is produced and recorded in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme music was composed and performed by J.J. Hammeister. More info at ForensicSpaces.com.